I'm Tasha Pierce, and this is Sinister Silhouettes. Um, I've been conspicuously missing for the last week or so because, well, I'm sure that everyone around the world knows where we are right now as the United States, as citizens of this great country um, in regards to the now social unrest due to yet another videotaped killing of a black man. So I don't have to go into that again. Um, I've talked on previous episodes of Sinister Silhouettes Live and also on the podcast about the problem. So we all know what the problem is. I don't wanna beat this problem like a dead horse because a problem is going to remain a problem until we come up with a solution. So I didn't wanna to come to you today with just piling on, compounding the problem. We see what this issue in the United States has led to. And it has led to, uh, unfortunately, uh, protests that have turned violent and into looting and rioting. And I'm, and I'm going to, I guess, since we're looking for an answer, I'm going to defer to our great former president, President Barack Obama. He has recently put out an article on Medium called How to Make This Moment the Turning Point for Real Change. And in this article, he gives us ideas, pardon me, he gives us ideas on where to start looking for solutions instead of continuously talking about the problem. And I'm gonna read this article to you because I can't say these words any better than President Obama has. And um, this is a moment where we needed this type of leadership and this type of statement to come from somebody who we trust, who we look up to. And no matter how you felt about his presidency, you know, everybody does not have to agree with me politically. I, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I am an independent. I vote with my conscience, not with a party line. That being said, you don't have to agree with me politically that that man was uh, the best president that he could be given his set of circumstances. But we do have to acknowledge that this man is a above everything, he is for the people, not black people, not white people. He is for the people. So said all that to go into his article, which starts with this. As millions of people across the country take to the streets and raise their voices in response to the killing of George Floyd and the ongoing problem of unequal justice, many people have reached out asking how we can sustain momentum to bring about real change. Ultimately, it's going to be up to a new generation of activists to shape strategies that best fit the times. But I believe there are some basic lessons to draw from past efforts that are worth remembering. First, the waves of protests across the country represent a genuine and legitimate frustration 
over a decades long failure to reform pol police practices and the broader criminal justice system in the United States. The overwhelming majority of participants have been peaceful, courageous, responsible, and inspiring. They deserve our respect and support, not condemnation, something that police in cities like Camden and Flint have commendably understood. Pause for a moment. If you are unsure what the president, or I'm sorry, what former president Barack Obama was speaking about, he's talking about in Camden and Flint, uh, notably, where the police joined the march with the protesters. And instead of clashing with your protesters, you recognize and you let them know that yes, what you're saying, we hear it. We are committed to uh, assisting you in bringing about real change. And that, that alone speaks volumes. But we'll, we'll move on into uh, further into what President Obama had to say. On the other hand, the small minority of folks who've resorted to violence in various forms, whether out of genuine anger or mere opportunism, are putting innocent people at risk, compounding the destruction of neighborhoods that are often already short on services and investment and detracting from the larger cause. I saw an elderly black woman being interviewed today in tears because the only grocery store in her neighborhood had been trashed. If history is any guide, that store may take years to come back. So let's not excuse violence or rationalize it or participate in it. If we want our criminal justice system and American society at large to operate on a higher ethical code, then we have to model that code ourselves. This is just so eloquently put. We have to be the change that we want to see. So no, I'm not telling you to bow down. That's it completely would be counterproductive to the movement that I'm seeing in these young people today. But what I am saying is to conduct yourself in a respectful way so that they have no choice but to respect you. When you have the current sitting president of the United States calling the protesters thugs, do not feed into uh, his narrative. When they go low, we go high. And I know how hard that is. Michelle Obama, when she said those words, it wasn't as if it was going to be something extremely easy for us to do. That is the hard thing to do. It is harder to put your shoulders back and hold your head up in the face of uh, oppression. So I recognize the anger, but I'm saying, make that, put that anger to something useful. Don't give them a reason to come at you because that's what we're doing right now. I'm not telling you guys how to protest. I'm not telling you how to be mad because nobody tells these other people, white people specifically, how to celebrate their, their teams winning the Stanley Cup because they do some shit. <laughs> so if I don't tell them how to be happy, I'm not gonna tell you 
how to be mad, but I am going to tell you that what you might be thinking of doing, think about it again, because it may be counterproductive to the cause. Okay, going on with what President Obama said, I keep interjecting. Second, I've heard some suggest that the recurrent problem of racial bias in our criminal justice system proves that only protest and direct action can bring about change and that voting and participation in electoral politics is a waste of time. I couldn't disagree more. The point of protest is to raise public awareness, to put a spotlight on injustice and to make the powers that be uncomfortable. In fact, throughout American history, it's often only been in response to protests and civil disobedience that the political system has even paid attention to marginalized communities. But eventually, aspirations have to be translated into specific laws and institutional practices. And in a democracy, that only happens when we elect government officials who are responsive to our demands. Moreover, it's important for us to understand which levels of government have the biggest impact on our criminal justice system and police practices. When we think about politics, a lot of us focus only on the presidency and the federal government, and yes, we should be fighting to make sure that we have a president, a Congress, a U.S. Justice Department, and a federal judiciary that actually recognize the ongoing corrosive role that racism plays in our society and want to do something about it. But the elected officials who matter most in reforming police departments and the criminal justice system work at the state and local levels. It's mayors and county executives that appoint most police chiefs and negotiate collective bargaining agreements with police unions. It's district attorneys and state's attorneys that decide whether or not to investigate and ultimately charge those involved in police misconduct. Those are all elected positions. In some places, police review boards and the power to monitor police conduct are elected as well. Unfortunately, Voter turnout in these local races usually is pitifully low, especially among young people, which makes no sense given the direct impact these offices have on social justice issues. Not to mention the fact that who wins and who loses those seats is often determined by just a few thousand or even a few hundred votes. So the bottom line is this. If we wanna bring about real change, then the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. We have to mobilize to raise awareness and we have to organize and cast our ballots to make sure that we elect candidates who will act on reform. Finally, the more specific we can make demands for criminal justice and police reform, the harder it will be for elected officials to just offer lip service to the cause and then fall back into business as usual once the protests have gone away. The content of that reform agenda will be different for various communities. A big city may need one set of reforms. A rural community may need another. Some agencies will require wholesale rehabilitation. 
Others should make minor improvements. Every law enforcement agency should have clear policies, including an independent body that conducts in investigations of alleged misconduct. Tailoring reforms for each community will require local activists and organizations to do their research and educate fellow citizens in their community on, on what strategies work best. Excuse me for a moment. As a starting point, there, he, he links a re, uh, report and toolkit developed by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and based on the work of the Task Force on 21st Century Policing that he formed when he was in the White House. And if you're interested in taking concrete action, they've also created a dedicated site at the Obama Foundation to aggregate and direct you to useful resources and organizations who've been fighting the good fight at the local and national levels for years. Now, I recognize that these past few months have been hard and dispiriting, that the fear, sorrow, uncertainty, and hardship of a pandemic have been compounded by tragic reminders that prejudice and inequality still shape so much of American life. But watching the heightened activism of young people in recent weeks of every race and every station makes me hopeful. If going forward, we can channel our justifiable anger into peaceful, sustained and effective action, then this moment can be a real turning point in our nation's long journey to live up to our highest ideals. Let's get to work. And that, Ladies and gentlemen, were the words of uh, those were the words of former President Barack Obama, and I'm honestly I've, I had goosebumps because I was thinking that okay, how do I tell my audience? Yes, you have to get involved uh, in your local and state politics. You have to get involved. How do I tell them that and make them realize that even if that person, even if the person that you feel like you want to throw your vote behind, they're saying all the right things. If they cannot show you a, a sustainable plan, then they are just talking shit. Honestly, they just telling you what you want to hear. There has to be a true to life plan. There cannot be just the, the protests stop and yep, everything's gonna be great now. That is not the way the world works. We have to hold these politicians accountable. We have to let them know that yes, we hear what you say, you told us your plan and now we wanna know how you'll implement it. Show me how that looks. Show me how reform in our local jurisdiction looks. And if they can't show you, guess what? They had no intention, none whatsoever. And then we have an opportunity to give them an opportunity to, to uh, be true to their word. And when they're not, we get them the fuck out. 
we don't give them another term. We don't give them another chance to run on the same fucking platform in the same fucking promises. That's where we've been for the last, I'm almost 50 damn years old. So it's got to have been at least the last 70 years. We've gotten incremental changes. And yes, little change equals progress. But now we want to see 70 years worth of progress. I would like to see before I go, I would like to see a world where shit is equal. And I don't mean to step on anybody else's neck to get up. I don't want you to hand anything to me. And if you think that uh, police reform, uh, equality in, in workplaces, your equality in society in general, if you think that means I should be uh, elevated to this without any work, you're fucking crazy. We're going to have to work. It's going to be work. We don't have that kind of privilege. It's going to be work, but the work will be worth it if we can see legitimate change in my lifetime. And I'm damn near 50, you know, so come on. Excuse me. <laughs> so um, you tell me what you think your local government needs to be doing because it's going to piggyback because not only do we have to hold our local politicians but we have to make sure that these people that's getting into the white house and, and in those positions capitol hill we have to make sure that they have our best interests at heart because right now we just got gangs loose Washington, they, they talk about gangs and they talk about violence. Those are the biggest gangs. Those are the biggest looters. And I'm not trying to, to sensationalize this, but you look at it. You look at who is benefiting off of all of this. And I'm going to tell you who is not. It's not you and it's not me. Neither one of us. We're not coming up off of any of this. Follow the fucking money. Follow the money. Now, I would like to thank, uh, first of all, Fleeta for reaching out to me on a regular basis, making sure that I'm okay. She's up in Canada and this is breaking her heart. I have other listeners or other audience members. I won't just say listeners, other members of my audience who are truly concerned about the state of affairs in this country. And the reason why is because we set the stage for the world. When you look across the world and you see people in New Zealand, people in Germany, people in Africa, all a part of this cause, do you know it's, I'm swollen with pride. Thank you. If you are a fellow podcaster, an audience member, uh, a neighbor, thank you for joining. Thank you for letting your voice be heard. If you out there creating problems and using this as an opportunity to prove that we are not uh, entitled to equal and fair treatment, if you are using this as an opportunity, I would like for my audience to out those people, out them, because they're not they're not helping the cause. I uh, I spent part of my day this morning 
listening to a 1989 song, <laughs> Fight the Power. So yes, that's my public enemy. And even then, there was just a, a amount of, of uh, hurt that we felt even then with the criminal justice system and politics and politicians and being overlooked and being marginalized. So yes, this is an old, old song that's being sung, like Fight the Power is an old song. Sometimes it just takes the oldies. It takes the oldies to make you realize that we've come so far, uh, so far but we have yet so far so far to go. Some things have changed in a way that is just mind blowing and mind boggling. The things that I can do that my father was unable to do. The things that uh, my son and my, my, my nephews and nieces and all of them, the, the younger generation that they are going to be able to accomplish that I was unable to ac accomplish. This world is not as dark and as desolate as some members of the media, some members of politics. Some, it's not as dark and desolate as it seems. There is light over the horizon. And together, together we can reach that place. Together we can get to an, a stage where we can say, we made it, not I made it, not black people made it. We, as a global and national community have made it. And that ladies and gentlemen will be my episode for today. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on the social medias, TC by TB on Facebook and uh, Twitter, Sinister, oh, I'm sorry, Sinister underscore TC by TB on uh, Instagram. And if you'd like to give to the, the podcast, patreon.com slash Sinister Silhouettes. There are a million ways to donate. Also, you can hit me up on my uh, webpage, TC by TB. I don't have a whole lot today. You see, I, I appeared before you guys. If you are watching this on the live stream, no makeup, big old happy friend right here. Just I couldn't even aggravate her. She she needs some time to herself. If you're watching, you see this big old pimple. But outside of that, um, oh, thank everybody for your well wishes. My dad is doing better. He's still in the hospital, but he is doing better. And uh, we expect for him to come home today. So thank you for your for your well wishes and your prayers and all of your good thoughts. Uh, my dad is coming home and it was no not COVID-19 related. So nobody has to worry about the whole COVID thing. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. And um, as always, stay out of the shadows. <laughs> Peace.